I don't know about you, but uh, that was exactly what I needed this morning. Just sing a little worship. Remember that we don't just come into these walls for, for our entertainment, but we come, we come into these walls to uh, get before a, a holy God who's great. He deserves our worship, and that's, that's what we were doing. Josh, thank you guys for, for leading us this morning. So glad you guys are here. We're starting to kicking off a brand new series. Uh, we just wrapped up Made for This last week. I think we just wore that one out, went eight or nine weeks or so, so it's time for something new. And uh, t- um, today, I'm actually borrowing from a friend of mine. Uh, he's COO, Chief of Operations for uh, Fort Hood in Colleen, Texas. Uh, this guy is um, a follower of Christ. He gives all of himself. And uh, he leads 100,000 men on that base. And uh, so, so one day he shared with us, we go to this thing called man camp every year. And it's not to learn how to be a man, because that, that's in God's word, right? But it's, it's to get away and learn, like, okay, i got to get my focus back. Like, I want to focus on God today. I want to focus on some fun with my brothers so I can go back and get back in this war that we're in and be, be the husband God's called me to be, like, be the man God's called me to be, to be the father that God's called me to be. Um, and so at this man camp, uh, my brother Rob D., so I'm having to give him credit for this message, he, he got up and shared this message called Find, Fix, and Finish, right? So Ar- Army, he said, he, it's in the Army, so he said, we like to be really clear about our mission. And we want, we, you know, when you're out in the field, you don't have time to process a, a million things. You just want to be trained to do one thing. It's to find, to fix, and to finish. And so I thought, well, what what if I borrow that for a couple weeks? And uh, that's exactly what we're talking about today. Um, Except I'm spinning it a little bit. I've had several questions over the last six weeks. And the questions are something like this. How do I know if this is God's will for my life? Like, how do I know? is Is this, and I won't tell you who I'm quoting here, but they're in this room. How do I know if this is something just rattling around in my little beanie head or, or is this actually from God? Is this something God's trying to get me to do? And then I had similar questions from, from several of you. Like, how do we know? How do you know what God's will is? So we're going to tackle that today. Uh, my friend Rob Deese was a leader that was challenged with the task. So imagine 100,000 men. And imagine 100,000 men with, with half of them with spouses and with kids. And he, he said, the num- think of what's the, what can you imagine the number one problem on that army base was? It wasn't that, that they couldn't train these guys. It wasn't that they couldn't get their mission done. It wasn't that, that they, they weren't clear in their objective. The number one challenge on this army base was these men are not whole men. Like these men, it, they're not clear on what, what they have to do in their home and in their personal life. Like that part, that part's coming way off the rails. And so uh, Rob Deese actually developed this curriculum as a Christian man, which I love. You see this time and time again. Men who have a solid foundation say, I just want to share a part of this with, with those that God's put me in charge of. So this Christian man felt this like, you know, you want to say from the Holy Spirit, from God's word, maybe through his prayer time, say, I've got to put something together that maybe the army could adopt to help our men be whole men. And so he, he developed a curriculum, and, I, and I'm adopting a little bit of it, called Find, Fix, and Finish. How to be the person, how to be the leader that God's called us to be, each of us. And how to zero in on that as the greatest mission. And not just this career, this thing in front of us, not that just this one task, but how do, where does it all fit? So we'll be in Jeremiah 29, 1-14 through 14 today. And I want to read this for you, and I will put my glasses on so I can read it for you. (laughs) Jeremiah, as you're turning to it, 29, 1 through 14. Much like my buddy Rob Deese, and maybe even greater, uh, Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a leader of men and women who back in his day had the task of bringing not only good news, not only a promise that God's going to bless you and he's going to take care of you, but unfortunately in his time, he had to bring some news like, yeah, but first you're going you're to watch the city crumble. Like you're going to watch what happens when a, when a bunch of us, a bunch of people decide, I'm going to go my way. I'm going to do my will. 
instead of God's will. Every now and then God says, all right, I'm going to, Jeremiah, I want you as a prophet to lead my people. But you also have the task of, of speaking for me. It says in Jeremiah 1.9, it says, and God reached down and touched the lips of Jeremiah. Like, how crazy would that be for God to make his will so clear for you that he reaches down and touches your mouth and says, I'll give you the words. I believe it's possible because it's right here. And that's what we'll be digging in today. Jeremiah 29. I'm going to read this for you and then we'll dig in. These are the words of the letter of that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile into Jerusalem to Babylon. So there's God's people fleeing and, and being sent to exile so that they may be spared from what he's doing, uh, bringing down an entire city. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. So think of it, everyone's fleeing because, because the word's gone out. Jeremiah's already prophesied. He's already given his warning. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, the son of Sephram, Jeremiah, and the son of Helekek, this is, this is awesome to learn English language. Go right to Jeremiah. You'll get it, you'll get it challenging. Whom Zed, Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent by Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, it said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build homes and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray for the Lord on its behalf, and for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets, this is, this is actually relevant for us today, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, false prophets. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and I will bring you back to this place. He's making his promise. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So that's a, I, I recommend you guys read through that again this week. We're going to spend some time in it this morning, but read through that. What I see when I read this passage is what I see when I look around today, and I'm wondering if you see the same thing. Even what, what, I, what I tend to battle in my own heart, in my own soul, in my mind, I see, and this is in your sermon notes, how do I know which is God's will for me? It's our main question we're answering today. The, the first three blanks are, how do I know it's not my will? Is it my will? Is it God's will? Or the third blank is, is it the enemy's will? In, the, in some half of the room of us, we don't, we're like, I don't want to talk about the enemy. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't, you know... I just, it's between me and God, and, and really all I see are a bunch of wandering people, and then, and then I see Christians. I don't know about this enemy stuff. We'll talk about that. So how do I know which is God's will for me? Is it mine, is it God's, or is this from the enemy? And there's a fourth blank there, and I almost put it in there, but I think you guys can, can, are smart enough to figure this out. Or is it somebody else's will for me? <laughs> right? How many times dur during the week do we give each other advice and counsel one another? And it's a lot easier to take counsel from someone that, that you know is a follower of Christ and knows that they're in the Scripture and in prayer. It's a lot easier to listen to someone like that. You're like, okay, I, I can trust this counsel, but I still pray about it. 
Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. So this is where I want to focus in. Um, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. This is God speaking. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore you from captivity and gather you from all the nations and places to which I have banished you, declares the Lord. I will restore you to the place from which I sent you to exile. So this, this first, number one, is find, seek the Lord in His will. Those are the, those are the next blanks. So, so finding's a big deal. You either want to or you don't. You know, it, and I know this, it's in my own heart. Like when I get up during the day, it's the first thing that I'm thinking about. Okay, Lord, I, w- I want your will today. Your will be done. Like, like not Larry's will. Right? As much as, as, much as I want to like walk around and make sure what I want to happen. You know, I, I, Paulson and I have a great, great time brainstorming. I'd love to see a boardwalk go from downtown Kodiak up to the, the cruise, you know, to the cruise terminal, up to the lookout point. As a matter of fact, one of the first things I asked him, I said, hey, why, why, why don't we have a boardwalk that goes, you know, from the cruise ship? Ch-? And he goes, oh, we've been working on that for years, you know. That's just a small piece of my will. Like, it's like I'm, I'm interested in economic development. But that's not what we're talking about here today. Call, f- seek the Lord and his will. I believe the reason why this is important, and it sounds so elementary, and I, I forgive me if, if I'm speaking at a first grade level right now, but, but the difference a day makes when you actually started out saying, okay, God, I, I, I actually want to know your will today. Like, show me, show me what you have for me, and I'll point my feet in that direction. Like, you have my attention. It's my favorite prayer. I've already shared that with you, right? Like, God, use me today. It's really simple, but it's, 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 it's amazing when it happens. So the second uh, A, the next one is, the next blank is call on him and pray. In the words of Jeremiah, he's saying, you can know my will. All you have to do is call on me. My other favorite thing to do is on my knees, literally at home or on my knees in front of my desk and say, okay, God, I need you. Like, I really do. I need you to show up and be real. I need, I need to know what you want me to do in this circumstance, in this situation. Like, I just need you to speak through your word, through your prayer. The next, the next line in here, seek with all of your heart. This is the tough part. Like, this is really tough. We were just talking about, I think Kelly uh, Foreman and I were talking this morning about we are a distracted people. Like, half of our mind and half of our heart during the day is focused on you know, maybe this thing in the corner. And we're, we're used to being able to focus half of our mind, like maybe on our kids or on our friends or on our hobby, like that thing I'm going to get to like later today. Meanwhile, we've trained ourselves to go, okay, but I'm going to be half mindful of this conversation I'm having right now at lunch, right? Like, so I'm going to give half to my schedule, half to this person in front of me. And then, so this is where human beings get it wrong. And my other half, right? My third half. I'm going to give it to maybe God. God's word, he's, he's just asking us, seek me with all your heart. Like, I have something incredible for you. Like, I, re- I really do, and I believe that with everything in me. Like, he has something for each of us that connects perfectly into his plan and his will so that his kingdom come. His will be done, right? Like, we know those words. I'm just trying to read through Jeremiah's scripture to help connect the dots from us, from our will, to his. It's easy, it's easier for us, and I don't know why this is, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe tell me if I'm wrong. It's easier for us to want to know God's will when life gets hard. (laughs) Like, when life gets really tough. Like we, when our heart is aching for something or someone or something didn't go our, our way, it's easy for us to stop and go, all right, God, I need you now. Like, I need you to answer this. I need you to speak loud and clear. Like, take this pain away from me. Or for our kids or people that we love, it's like, take the pain away from them. Protect them, guide them. It's, we somehow, and I think there's a reason for that. I've always told people this, like, Forgive me for saying it, but I felt like in my family specifically, and I don't know about you, anytime we ever stepped off the path, 
for a moment. It was like there was an 18-wheeler waiting. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if that's from God. I don't know if that's from the enemy. All I know is that 18-wheeler's real, and it's, it's going to hammer us. Seek God with all your heart. It's easier to do when it's hard, but don't wait until it's hard. Like, don't wait until God says, all right, the half of this room, I'm sending you guys to exile. The other half of this room, sorry, but you guys are going down with the city. Because I'm ready for people to see that, that my will be done is more important than yours. Like, and that, that literally happens. It happens all throughout history. And it's the part of God that we don't like to talk about. The part that, that, that he says, I love you so much, I'm going to let you go through this so that you get that ultimately I want you to plug into my will. I'm not trying to be a prophet of doomsday, believe me. I'm just, it happens to be right here in Jeremiah. So I'm trying to be true to his word. So read through Jeremiah 29 again. That's what you'll see. Read through the whole book of Jeremiah. It's actually a pretty easy read. But maybe it'll give you context to look at it as whose will is, is playing out here. And which promise are tied to the action of, this, of these people's will or the inaction. He has given us all instruction. Like this is, um, I actually watched sermons on the forge. There's this, there's this uh, young man, his name's uh, Pastor Johnny Walker. And uh, sermons on the forge, he puts those out. And last, last week, I think it was he was focusing on, this is the living word of God. Like, do you believe that? This is, this is the God-inspired, God-breathed, living word. This, and, and the word says, this is, this is, this is me. That this is God. He is, he's trying to say, I've given you everything you need. Right here in his word. The question is, how much time do we spend in this? So most of us know this. Luke 11, 9 through 13. But speaking of wills, um, just think about whose will are we supposed to be following when, I, when we read this together. So then, and it's in your sermon notes. Luke 11, 9 through 13. So then... This is how you should pray. Our Father, who in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debts. Some of your translations say trespassers. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Isn't that wild how the Lord says this is the model prayer? I mean, I, I don't think it's any accident that he's, he's trying to get us to, he's reminding us that it's like, it's my will be done. It's my kingdom come. And, how, and like, forgive me for getting it wrong and forgive me for trespassing or forgive me the debts that I have with my brothers and sisters when I forget that, right? So whose kingdom are we really living for? Like, this is my main question today. If you leave here today and, and somebody says, hey, what'd that crazy pastor talk about this morning? Say, ah, he was talking about whose kingdom are we living for? Whose kingdom am I living for, his or ours? Back to Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you will call upon me and come pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek, seek me. Search for me with all of your heart. How often, um, and I've asked this before, how often do we find ourselves kneeling before the true Lord? Is it just Sunday mornings? I mean, we're figuratively kneeling right now in the pews. You know, we're figuratively kneeling when we worship Him together. Um, but there's six more days in the week, right? How about we set aside seven days a week to kneel before the Lord? And it's, and it's, and it's I'm not meaning to be convicting right now. What I'm trying to say is, I, I want to, my prayer for you, for every man, woman, and child in our church, is to know what it feels like to go, all right, like I got a glimpse today of, of my mission, of, the, of God's will in my life. And I can honestly say, like, this is what I heard from God today through his word. Like, like I, I had an encounter with God. Like, that's my prayer for you. I will be found 
by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore you from captivity. So this is the tough part. And gather you from all nations and places for which I have banished you, declares the Lord. I will restore you to the place from which I sent you into exile. So I don't know about you, but when I read those words, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing banished and captivity and restoring and exile. Like those to me are like... Are, are terms that describe conflict and war and like there's something bigger going on. And I want to say that we are in a spiritual battle. Like it's a battle. I mean, it's a daily battle. Just think about this. How often do we spend our week saying, I'm, I'm going to do what I feel like. Like, you know, this is Larry's world. I'm going to set my calendar. I'm going to spend money on what I want to spend money on. Like I'm going to do what I want to do. And God, if you love me, like bless me. Or be with me, right? Protect me. Or God, forgive me. I totally left you out today. I, I get angry at my kids, or I, or I got super angry with my wife, and, and um, I'm having to ask for forgiveness in my own home. Or maybe I ditched my friends, and I just kind of blew them off with the people that God's brought around me or my neighbor. Maybe I let my trash can, like, blow trash all in their yard, and I said, ah, I'll get that. I'll get that tomorrow. It's, it really is a battle. And at minimum, it's a battle between our personal will and what God has for us. But on some of those worst days, when that 18-wheeler shows up, I often wonder, is that, is that what the enemy's trying to do to my marriage? Is that what the enemy's trying to do to my relationships within the church? Like, is that what the enemy's trying to do to just distract me? Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one of those guys who say, you're going to find a devil under every rock. Like, I'm just not. But I, but I will say, when the scripture talks about it, the enemy is roaring like a lion, and he's, he's looking to still steal, kill, and destroy. Like, I actually believe that. So when we talk about the enemy's will for my life, he'd, n- he'd like nothing better to, to, than to see God's work fall apart. That's a sermon for another day, by the way. Maybe next week, actually. Depends on how many of you guys come back after, after starting this one. <laughs> So, so this is not one of those happy, peppy, like, like feel-good messages. And I won't, I won't ask for forgiveness on that. I'll just, I'll just say, we are in a very real and constant battle. It's between, it's between his, ours, or the enemies. So Jeremiah was a priest. He turned prophet. He was sent to tell God's people. Uh, the Israelites, to seek God with their whole heart. That was his message. Seek him with your whole heart and trust him. So I'll try to lighten it up a little bit. Let me flash back to about uh, 16 years ago, actually, the first year that I accepted becoming a pastor. So imagine this. So 16 years ago, I step out of the corporate world, and I was working at Duke Energy, great income, great pay, great Christmas bonuses, like all of the above, right? Life was good. Myra and I uh, had an opportunity to build our dream house in Conroe, Texas. And so we found two and a half acres. And I don't know about you, when you think of your dream house, like what, what do you imagine? You know, for us, it's a little bit of property. It's like horses in the backyard. That's more Myra than me. So I, I'd, I'd be fine with the shooting range, you know, blow stuff up in the backyard, which you need probably more two and a half acres. So we built our dream home, two and a half acres. Built, we built the barn by hand, which was a blast. And... Um, it was, it was a pretty nice home, you know, Austin Stone, just think Texas Ranch style, you know, porch goes all the way around, and we loved it. Um, we stretched our budget like all good Americans do. We got, we got it to that last dollar that we could afford, and we said, that's it, that's, that's what, how much we want to spend on this house, right? So we moved in, and it's fantastic. It's our dream. Um, and in small group, literally within four weeks, small group, that next Wednesday night, uh, one of the young woman, women in our small group, she was a single mom with a kid. In her world, she shared with us, and she broke down and cried, and her world just was falling apart. Um, she was about to have to move out of her house because she, she hadn't been able to pay her house note, her rent, in the last six months. And here we are as a small group, um, and a few of us were able to help financially. And Myra and I helped as much as we could but if we shared the truth of where we were in that moment, what do you do when you, when you build a house? 
if you're us and you're young, you empty out every bit of your savings account, right? For the closing costs, for the build, like you want to get the cabinets that you want and the floors that you want, like all of it, right? You want the 3D shingle roof and not the flat roof so it looks cooler, or it lasts longer is what they said. But we couldn't, we couldn't help her. Like we, we, we could give her a couple hundred dollars, but we literally, we could, we, it was like trying to get blood out of a turnip. And that, that week, like, it was like this feeling in my gut, like in my soul. I was like, oh, my, did we, did we get this wrong? Like, did we jump the gun on building our dream house that we can technically afford? At least that's what the, uh, the mortgage person told us. <laughs> and we knew, like, we knew the truth. But we had zero margin and zero room for this person that we loved that was in our fellowship, in our group. And so I started praying. Like, imagine, so I don't know if you guys have ever been there. But I started praying for the next three months. And I didn't tell Myra. And I started praying. I'm out in the backyard, so I'm wandering our two and a half acres. It's beautiful, and there's horses back there, and there's a barn. And I'm walking around going, God, like, did, did I hear, did we hear you wrong? I'm like, just please, like, speak to me clearly now that I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in like, okay, you got to help me out of this mess. And um, share with me, like, is there, is there something different that we should have been doing? So six months later, My- Myra comes up to me and she says, you know, I've been thinking. And I hadn't said a word to her. She said, I've been praying. She says, what do you think? Um, she says, I kind of want to go back to school. What do you think? Um, what do you think about selling the house? And my, my jaw just drops to the floor, like, Oh my gosh, like my worst fear was to try to tell this woman who loves horses that, hey, let's, we're going to sell the house and sell all the horses, you know. And she's telling me, I, got, I think I want to go back to school. And I said, you, you think I'm crazy, but I've been praying the last several months about for God to, to reveal this. And we both agreed, like, we felt like we did this a little too soon. Like, even though we could, it was like you, our will be done, Right. Thankfully, we were able to walk away from that and go, no, God, it really is about your will. So that's a little lighthearted story to say God does want to move and answer our practical prayers. Like, he does care about your will and your desires, but, but I promise he cares more about lining them up with his. If we'll just listen, if we'll just seek him, if we'll just ask. God isn't interested at all in blessing our kingdoms. Like, have you felt that before? Like, he's not at all interested in blessing the, the kingdom that we're, that we're trying to build. I, I think more often than not, he's saying, no, no, I'm trying to get you to build the kingdom, but it's not, it's not going to be that version of the kingdom. Like, but go ahead, like, try your best. Like, I, I mean, I'll give you some time. If you want to build your kingdom and see how it goes, I think that's what he used Jeremiah for a strong, godly, loving, God-fearing leader to say, like, no, I, you're getting it wrong. I, I want you to build my kingdom. In fact, and we've even seen this, like you wonder how certain people get in the office, right? And I'm not going to go into politics, but, I, but I'll, I'll dabble in it for a second. Give me some grace if I do it wrong. But the people that are put in the office, what does Scripture say? That God appoints them. He allows them. It doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican or Independent. Like, but God allows us to find out. We'll say, okay, you want your kingdom? You're about to get a ruler over your kingdom. And, and you're going to get to suffer the good and bad with them. What's cool is when he uses all of that to say, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reconcile. I'm going to restore this to my kingdom. Like That's his promise, and I believe it. So the last part of Jeremiah 29 19, because they did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord, that I persistently sent to, to, to you by my servants and prophets, but you would not listen, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles who I am sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So God allows us to experience hard times when it's all about building our kingdom. And, and I, know, I know what some of you are thinking because I've seen it before. What about that person who gets to do everything wrong for their entire life and they never, they never have to experience one bad thing, right? Like, who's ever thought that? 
What about that person who's so far from God, like nothing bad ever happens to them? That's because I actually believe this and I see it in Scripture, that those of us who are, who are working our way towards Christ, those of us who had said, I'm in, like unfortunately, we're the ones that are going to pay the price when we step off the path. Because the enemy is not concerned with the people that aren't in the game. The enemy is concerned with the people that are in the game. And he's concerned to distract those of us who are, who are into, his, into the God's kingdom building business. So guard your heart. Protect your heart from that. Go, God, I want your will. Protect me from the evil one. We, so this, I'll, I'll get to the finish line here. We are wanting God's, we are wanting glory for ourselves. So this is a test. When we speak or act, there's a blank in your notes that should say without. We are wanting God's glory for ourselves when we speak or act without these following things. The guidance of God's word. When we act without obedience to it, you know, and I know this sounds, this sounds elementary and practical, but there's no way, kind of like Johnny's sermon, there's no way that God's going to let us live this life as Christians without the instruction, without applying it. This next one, without the wise counsel from followers of Christ. I love hearing um, in this room of people that are meeting with with followers of Christ who are further along down the road with him. I love to know that there's wise counsel happening one-on-one. Some of our teenagers in the room are meeting with Christians who are saying, you know what, I don't have this all figured out, and I need to talk to somebody um, who's not my parent. You know, I just need answers from somebody who's, who didn't feel like it's their only job to get me to conform to what Christianity really is, right? Like, I love to hearing when men and women in this room are actually going through a hard time and will say, you know what, I need to seek wise counsel. Like, I need to meet with someone to just say, hey, I don't get this. Is this me? Is this my will? Is this God's will? Or is this something worse, you know? And I commend you guys for doing that. This last one. We are wanting glory for ourselves when we speak or act without God's love. So man, I was convicted big time this week on this one, and I'm not going to sit here and confess to you <laughs> publicly because it happened privately. But I had a moment this week where I was like, oh my gosh, like that was not God's love. And it was obvious. And I had to go ask for forgiveness. And it was, it's humbling, right? Every now and then when our will, our desires, our emotions take over what God wants for us, and we have to own up to it, you know. We have to go, whew, like, I, you know, and, and I think this was the line that was said, uh, you know, go up and share with the congregation how, how loving you were today. And, and I was like, yep, you're right. I'm like, you're right. I totally missed the boat on this one. Did I tell you guys I'm imperfect? <laughs> I've, already, I've already shared that with you. Because I am. I mean it. So one of my favorite quotes from the prophet Ice Cube, right? Who's listened to Ice Cube before? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but that's like the coolest thing I've heard in a while. And I don't know why it flashed this morning as I was praying. It was like, and it, and it wasn't Ice Cube, though. It was the guy from the movie. <laughs> and I forget his name now, Ralph, maybe. I don't know. But it was check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm like, that's pretty good, you know? That's kind of what we're talking about today. Like, check yourself. Am I, am I do, trying to do God's will right now, or is this all about me? Jeremiah 29, 12-13 again says, Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Um, Towards the end there, it says, I will restore you. So here's the good news. Like, we can chase our will as long as we want. Like, we can build our kingdoms as long as we want. And he's going to allow them to crumble. Or he's going to cause them to crumble. Or he'll allow the enemy to just take it out. But here's the last promise. He said, but I will restore you if you let me. Seek me. Call on me. If you want complete restoration, like he's saying, here's how you get it. 
This is straight from Jesus, so you don't have to turn there. Let me just read it. It's actually in your sermon notes. John 7, 16 through 18. It says, so Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine. So this is, this is the son of the father, like the man, 100% man, 100% God in flesh, right? Sharing his, his word is, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. So even Jesus was saying, I'm not speaking on my own authority. Like, how crazy is that every now and then to remember? This is 100% God, 100% man saying, I'm not even here on my own authority. Like, I'm here under God's authority. Like, he gets it. We're on a mission. He, he has found God's mission. He has fixed his eyes on it. And he is there to finish it. That's what we're talking about. We can, we can find, fix, and finish like our own. Our own mission, our own kingdom. But I promise you it's not going to go well. I promise you. And I won't, I won't jump the gun on this last part. But I promise you it's, you're missing it. Find, fix, and finish your heart, your eyes on God's will. So he finishes and says, the one who speaks on his own authority, this is kind of a warning, especially good in our times, seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. So we live in a day of age of social media, right? And I know a lot of you, half of you aren't on social media because you're done with people seeking their own glory, like the age of selfies and look at me's and all of that. I happen to love photography, so I actually love like sharing photography on social media. But it's easy to see, and, it, and it's a good check for ourselves. Go back and review kind of what you put out there during the week and just ask yourself, am I doing this for my own glory? For my own kingdom, my own will? Or am I sharing what I'm sharing because I'm trying to honor something bigger than myself? So find and seek the Lord in His will. Fix your eyes on Christ is that next blank. We talked about that last week. If you want to go back and listen to that, please do. Fix your eyes on His will for you. Get your eyes off yourself. Like I always say something like this because maybe it's something I struggle with. Get your eyes off of your plan, your calendar, your goals. Like let God in there a little bit. Give Him more than just one day a week. Like look at your calendar and go, okay, how much time have I put in here for God? I believe he wants all of it. And I'm not saying he needs to sit at this church seven days a week like that's the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I believe it's God's will to send all of us out in this community as missionaries during the week. And we'll just ask, God, show me how. And this last part, finish, live each day with the end in mind. I don't know why it happened or how it happened, but four years ago I... I met quite frequently with a pastor and a leader, the, the pastor who got all the churches in Austin to meet together. We, there's 400 to 450 churches in, in the city of Austin that, that work together to share the gospel and reach an entire city, like millions of people. So it's kind of almost unheard of in this day and age. The cool part is last week here in Kodiak, several of us pastors got together and we're praying about the same thing. There were 10 churches represented there, and we feel like the next, next month there will be 15 churches represented there. What's cool is it's, I don't know about you, but I've been praying for this since five months ago. Like, God, let, I want to step out of Austin of this, how we work together, brothers and sisters in Christ, and see that happen in Kodiak, where it's not a church, it's not just one church and one flag, one banner. It's all of us working together to make sure that everyone, every man, woman, and child has multiple opportunities to hear the gospel. Like, I love that, and it's starting to happen. So today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up. We're going to take um, communion together. And um, before we take communion, we're actually going to send. It's a, it's a, it's a five-minute um, quick talk. Um, Pastor Elzaki. I don't know if you can hear me right now. Do you want to, you want to step, up, step up for a moment? Let me pray with you. We have one of our um, congregation that uh, he's from the Sudan. And Pastor Elzaki has been trained or being trained as associate pastor. I believe that maybe back in Sudan, maybe in another state in the United States, he'll be planting a church one day. And he's asked to share a little bit in Romans 8. And so uh, let, me, let me pray for you before you begin. 
But before we take communion together, and I think it's appropriate, he wants to share about um, what it means to keep your eyes on Christ during Christ's final days. So before we take a communion, and you'll have to listen in as he's still working on his, his Alaskan accent, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let me, let, me, let me pray for him, and then we'll, we'll get started. Father, we love you. God, I'm, I'm praying for many men and women to step up from our congregation, from the city of Kodiak, and go. Um, and when we leave here, that the one thing that we can ask is, Father, is it your will that I be a part of a church plant or investing in, an, in another um, church organization around our country, or around the world even? Uh, Father, I don't know how that will happen mechanically, except that, um, except that you'll cause that work to happen. Thank you for growing um, our love for you deep in this church, our knowledge for you, God, but more than that, for growing our heart and desire to go out and plant your word around the nation, around the world. Thank you that um, you've called Pastor Elzaki and you know about, more about his journey than I do, but I thank you for a man of faith who wants to share. Uh, in Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Bless you, Bill. Yeah. Pray the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray the Lord. The Lord is good. All the time. The Lord is good. Um, I'm Prishal Zaki. Uh, I come from uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky for Trident is uh, his company is this good year. Uh, actually, I'm very happy to be here almost uh, four months uh, with the congregation church here. Uh, really, I'm very happy so much. Uh, I think this is my last day uh, uh, this church. Uh, before I want to leave, I'm um, asking God, I say, how can give the beautiful people message forgive them? And God is gone. He talked to me, said, I can I give to you for message for uh, Book of Romans chapter 1 uh, from 1 to that my message I will give it to you. Uh, open Book of Romans. Uh, before we go to uh, Book of Romans, we, uh, we need to open uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. He said here, Submit yourself for to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What can many submit yourself from God? And resist the devil will be flee from you. Because why? Some people, they're living difficult life, condition, sickness for a long time. And then they don't have a heart uh, to giving glory to God. God can bless them to change them, their mind, can healing them, their heart, or difficult condition. Because the germ is here, the Bible says, resist, submit yourself, and resist the devil will be free from you. If you know, resist the devil, you submit yourself. You think a difficult condition because. You don't pray for God, he changes you to healing your life. You have to be difficult in your life. But when you submit yourself, you be close to God, and God will be close to you. And then everything is according for the word of God, is so powerful. If you live away from God, the Bible says devil is gonna be live inside you. Because no two persons will be together in your life. Because you say, Jesus say, 
If I call me a bee in your heart, I will be changing your heart. If Jesus know in your heart, the devil be inside. Human being can be yourself. And then I want to go to Roman chapter 8. will be beautiful. This one. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, that word of Jamie, of uh, Paul, he gave for people of Romans. And then he say, Therefore, they have not condominate them which in Christ Jesus, who walking not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Number four, two, he said, for the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin of death. If you're born again, you can't live for, la for that law. You live law of Christ Jesus. You pass from death to life. You pass from the law of sin to life. But when you're born again, if you're born again, you pass from the sin, from the law of sin to life. You pass from the death. You live according to the word of God. Why I put this word? In my church, in Louisville, we have one is called uh, uh, Steve. The man has come sick. The sickness affected him their life. And then when we, uh, when he uh, went in checkup, he found him. They found him have HRV. You know, very difficult condition. And then we're praying for him always with time, every, every day in turn day, we're praying for him. Nothing happened. I say, what? That pray for somebody who can, cannot be healing with a problem for him. You know, the praying sometimes, if you knock somebody yourself for God, and you pray for a person who has something problem in your life, we cannot be healed because you are living flesh life. If you not live in spiritual life, nothing will be happening. We pray for this man. The condition has come worse. It's come weak. Every Sunday is come weak. Very weak in your life. Uh, I went to her wife. I told, can you give me your number as your, your husband? He said, sure, I want to give you a number. Because I said, there is no nursing to pray for somebody who cannot be healed. What kind of preaching for the word of God? Because church is for healing people. Hallelujah. Church for healing people. If you come difficult condition or you have suffered, if we come to church, we can receive healing, receive happiness in your life. Because church does hospital Holy Spirit. You know, when you go to hospital, we cannot be healed. But if you come to church, it doesn't matter what difficult condition you have. God will can change your life forever. I take his number for her wife. I call him. I say, Steve, before one are praying for somebody sick or, or something difficult for him, I will share them with him first. When I share them with him first, will be, you know, what's exactly we're going to go be. I call him. I say, Steve, I know you live for a difficult condition life, but I want to share with you some more. And God, we can change everything if you believe. God has a power. He's healing you. He said, yes. 
I say, if you're born again, you cannot live that conditioned life. You pass from death to life in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus has come, the Lord, you're serving your life. He can make you changing your life. You don't go to death. You go to be alive in Christ Jesus. We're sharing the word, praying for them. I say, when you go back hospital, the doctor is going to find something inside in your life. He believed. He said, yes. I pray for him before I come here, Kudia. I pray for him. The man is very happy. When he came back hospital, they find him nothing inside which become negative because cancer is die in the name of Jesus Christ. I call her daughter and say me, my father right now free. Free totally in cancer. No more cancer live free from cancer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you're close to God, God always is close to you. Don't be far. When you get trouble, we come to church. No. Close to God always. Every time, every day. This is your life. This is your father. This is your brothers. If you're, this is your sister. If you are everything, this is your life. When you submit yourself close to God, you'll be living normal life. Nothing difficult can be inside your life. I'm very happy so much. God bless you. And I hope to be here for a long time, but it's very difficult for me. But I'm, I'm so happy. I think God, God bless you so much. We're going to eat and find each other if we got a plan in Jesus' name. Thank you.